0: Welcome to the Infinite Spark of Being podcast. My name is Keith Welsh. And for those of you that are new here, um, I am a meditation teacher, a thought transformation and restructuring coach, speaker, as well as the author of the Infinite Spark of Being book series. Uh, If you'd like to learn more about uh, that, you can do that at theinfinitesparkofbeing.com. There's an apparel store there, the bookstore. Um print shop is coming back, I promise. I noticed a lot of you uh, took advantage of that while it was happening. Um, Also, there is the Patreon. Um, And with Patreon, there's three tiers, right? Uh, The first one is $1 a month. It's just a supportive attaboy. Um, $5 a month, a supportive attaboy. Uh, and then there's uh, the $10 month that gives you access to the first Wednesday of every month online gathering. Um, that's done through Google Meet. Uh, it's an hour, maybe more. Depends. Um, but talk about different things. That we have a question answer kind of thing. Um, if you want to just check it out, uh, just see what it's all about, you can do that through PayPal or Venmo. Just send $20. Uh, and be sure that you get me the email address that you need the link sent to so that you can uh, join us for the next one there. Um, So all of this uh, started probably 2010 with a blog, and my whole motivation with The Infinite Spark of Bean was to kind of share my journey up the mountain uh, this journey started for me in earnest about 27 years ago now. Uh, hard to believe. Um, but I've been trudging that long. Trudging sounds bad, but it just means to to move or walk with purpose. Um, not that it's been bad. It's been a lot of fun. Um, okay, so today I didn't really have a topic. I do have a story I'd like to tell. Um, but I'd also, you know, check in with you guys Um, so a lot of the focus uh, here for me is on the mind um, and how we use the mind to change our uh, experience of reality the mind um, gets thrown into a clinical basket a lot uh, when the reality is is the mind has its own divinity its own uh, spiritual nature It is not nothing. Um, It is a lot of things, but it is an experience, most of all. Uh, And the mind is associated with the soul, as it is the subtle body that gets taken from birth to birth. And what we're doing here is trying to retrain our mind to experience this differently, to learn these lessons, and, you know. and, you know, in 27 years, you don't get free of... You get free of things, or more you relate to them differently, I would say. Maybe that's what it is. Because the same problems kind of come up, and yeah, it's part of being alive. But you start to see them a little differently. And I've talked a lot about um, the mind having an algorithm, much like social media. Uh, you know, when someone tells me social media is so negative and it's this and that, and I just think, well... I mean, it's more about you than it is social media. I mean, mine is fine. It's not negative. It's quite funny and uh, inspiring because that's what I spend time with. So along this path, there's always been <clears throat> these little dark places in me that I just kind of chalked up as, you know, Part of it, part of the incarnation, and it is part of the incarnation. But I almost put them in this place where, like, I couldn't get to them, and that's just going to be my life like that, you know. And a lot of it had to do with my own limiting beliefs about myself and and all that. And you know, I've delved into all of this stuff deep, but there's certain things that I just never applied any of these two things to, like affirmations or chaos magic or any of that. And I don't know why I never applied any of that to, to, to those parts of my experience in the in the organism. But lately, uh, just massive shifts, massive shifts. And every time I'm in the middle of a big spiritual shift, it's this feeling like a bowstring is being drawn back. It's drawn back. It's drawn back. And it's like right before. Uh, There is what um, some people would call the demonstration. Uh, There is this this open, very raw feeling, you know, uh, and and I'm definitely in that right now where it's very raw, it's very tender, in a really good way, not in a bad way. I mean that in in a really good way. Um, And, uh, you know, I had a very emotional weekend recently that I'd like to tell you about but it all falls under this umbrella of this larger practice I've engaged in recently and and when I get to a certain point I'm going to share a lot of that with you Um, a lot of it will uh, relate to certain books like um, How It Works or um, The Game of Life uh, these sorts of uh, new thought movement uh, pieces of literature I don't know if any of you are familiar with that but um, it's uh, it's pretty great, it's something that's always been in my uh, in, in my orbit but I, you know, and I, I kind of picked and choose which pieces of it I was going to go along with and the pieces that I couldn't go along with said more about my own lack of faith and my own lack of trust in the process. Um, so, uh, let's see. My mom passed away March 1st, 2020. And at that point, my dad was dead for 14 years. So, um, do the math, right? Um, <clears throat> and I say dead just cause that's what we're talking about here. Um, I'm assuming you're on the same boat with me that like death is a weird word to use because you still experience them and you still feel them and all those things. But okay. Um, So my father dropped his body 14 years before my mother. Yeah, because if I was 30 when he died, he had me when he was 40. My mom was 40. uh, My mom was 84. I was 44. So 47 now. So holy shit, he's been dead 17 years. That's crazy. Um, Now, sleep is weird for me. Uh, Recently, I've really been working on uh, changing my experience of sleep, but uh, due to, you know, experiences as a kid and things like that, my my sleep is a little rough. A lot of nightmares. It's, you know, I, I, it's, it doesn't matter. But, so I've had a lot of dreams. Um, the ones about my mother are very thin and they don't, they feel very dreamy. Right. They're, they have no mass as I've, as I've, I think I've mentioned before, uh, no weight to them. My dad, however, a lot of dreams of my dad have a mass to them, a weight to them, uh, there's a different quality to the dreams that I have involving my dad um, I think that a lot of that has to do with my dad and I had a different relationship uh, I feel that spiritually he was closer to me than my mother if that makes any sense uh, my mom and I were like I always say my mom and I were best friends we loved each other dearly but we were both convinced the other one was completely full of shit and wrong about everything that was, that was our life um but, but my dad and I, and it was, we had this, or I had a very kind of tight and a, not a good way, more of an uptight relationship with my dad. Um, and when I say that, I've learned over the years that that was my experience, but that was not his experience. My dad loved me so much but my dad was essentially an abused kid, and, and he only knew what he knew and could only act how he acted, but he loved me so much. And he showed me very uh, socially oh, that's going to sound weird. Just for the record, my dad never abused me or anything. but um, like his way of saying at a boy was very strange. Um, his way of supporting me was probably considered poor parenting. In hindsight, I'm glad he did everything that he did. You know, he watched uh, another boy beat the absolute pee-whining dog water out of me, as my mom would say, uh, in the middle of our cul-de-sac, and then put me in kickboxing immediately. Now, at the time, I was actually taking Taekwondo. And after I got my ass absolutely handed to me, he said, that was embarrassing. And then he says, is that Taekwondo? <laughs> My dad boxed in the Marine Corps. He was not uh, impressed with Taekwondo. Uh, But I ended up getting into kickboxing and, you know, more combat sports later on. And so, you know, that was an unskillful moment in parenting that, you know, turned out to be very beneficial for me, and it's what I needed. Um, That might not be a popular opinion, but sometimes a little boy needs to get the pee-whining dog water knocked out of him to learn a lesson. So uh, my father and I, um, when he, uh, I finally started to want a closer relationship with him. uh, And then that same year, he uh, let me know that he was dying. Um, And that was the first time he said, I love you. And it was the first time he hugged me. And I'm not mad about that at all. My father was, uh, there was no doubt that my dad loved me, he just didn't say it. And a lot of people like to beat their parents over the head with the fact that they never vocalized it, but your parents loved you. Just, you know, it's not gonna always be a Hallmark movie. Um, but my dad, um, you know, he also, with, with hugging, it's like my dad was a Marine in the Korean War. He wasn't trying to like hug his kid. You know, for him, that was something women did. And, you, know, you hug women, you don't hug men. <laughs> women can hug women and men can hug women, but men don't hug men. Um, and uh, he certainly didn't cry because that, uh, that was very weak. But my dad loved me. Loved me a lot. So, um, anyway, when I was 15, now I grew up, In 1962, my parents bought a lot, a corner lot on the water in Palm Beach County for $3,000, which right now is an unfathomable thing. Like, I don't, you couldn't buy a stop sign for three grand in Palm Beach County. Um, But I lived, I grew up there, and uh, I was about 15 years old. Now my dad, I keep backtracking. My dad was an outdoors guy. Uh, we spent a lot of time in the Everglades hunting, fishing. My dad, uh, I believe it's okay. So my dad was poacher. I grew up, uh, hunting alligators with my dad and going with them and transporting large amounts of alligators, which I'm not really sure what that was about in hindsight. Uh, you know, um, a memory I have of my dad that I thought at the time was just so cool, but, uh, was that I, we used night vision goggles to watch a law enforcement officer, watch us. And, um, when I was a kid, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And now like, I'm like, I wasn't even curious as to why that was, (laughs) um, um, it's, it's a good memory as a kid, you know. Some G.I. Joe shit. It's pretty cool. Some James Bond stuff. Um, so, uh, very much an outdoors Everglades guy. Well, when I was 15, they sold that house in Palm Beach Gardens. Uh, Pros- uh, Prosperity Farms Road. And... Well um, oh, that just had a little thing to it. I grew up on prosperity farms road. Um, so (laughs) Uh, that coincides with one of my affirmations. This is what I'm saying. Like these things just start showing up and you start realizing things, but, um, I was 15. My dad moved out. My parents did not divorce, but my dad needed to get out of Palm Beach County. So he bought seven acres on the Rim Canal that goes around Lake Okeechobee. Look at a map. See what I'm talking about. And he had the Seminoles. He paid some Seminole Indians to come out and build um, a chickie which is their traditional living structure. So here he had this uh, four large poles, like the size of a telephone pole, and it had a palm frond roof on it. And he put a raised floor in it. This was off the ground. Put a half wall around it, right? Like kind of the height of like a wainscoting or something like that, maybe a little shorter. Screened it in and then had plastic he would roll down if the weather got rough and then he had a gas stove and you know a little shower and stuff in the bathroom he, he had a port-a-john that he rigged up somehow I have no idea but um he lived out there for four years now I don't mean that he hung out on the weekends and came to ve- no, like he lived out there. If I wanted to see Dad and mom wanted to see her husband, we had to go out there. and sometimes you'd have to go to the doctor or something and he'd you know come into town or as he would say whatever. <laughs> uh, but no, he lived out there. and so my dad grew up uh, well, I grew up around a lot of air boating and fishing and, and all this stuff and so those were all of his friends. Well, my dad had a friend that had been, I I don't ever remember a time where Shorty was not around. I remember when Shorty lived in a giant wooden topper he built on the back of a pickup truck, and it was called the Goat Wagon. Shorty was a moonshiner. Um, I would actually sell Shorty's moonshine that he would give me for 50 bucks a jar. Um but um, so, so there was Shorty and, uh, and Shorty was from North Georgia he was very much a, um, this, this wild man and he bought now my uncle had purchased the land next to my dad and Shorty bought it off of my uncle and he paid cash he bought it for forty thousand dollars, and he paid cash for it. Um, he pulled money literally out of a coffee can and gave it to my uncle. Um, this was a long time ago, by the way. This is very much pre nine eleven. So I don't know what. Like I, I doubt he deposited all that money once. I think that's like illegal to deposit forty thousand in cash. I don't know, but he pulled it out of a coffee can. Um, cause the joke was when they asked me where I thought it can, they were like, I was like, you probably had it in a sock and they were like, nope, coffee can. I thought that is fucking crazy. Um, so, uh, shorty bought that land and then lived out there on the property next to my dad and a cypress head is a, a big clump a group of cypress trees. There's palm trees and there's cypress trees, oak trees. There's a big cypress head, or a head, which is just a, a bunch of fucking trees. And Shorty cut a pathway into it and then cleared out a section in the middle of it and built a structure inside of it that he called the hooch. It's essentially a tree fort. And he lived inside of that with my dad for four years. And then after four years, my dad built the house out there, this big house on stilts. Um, and he, my, that was when my mom moved out there and joined him. By then I was... Uh, 17 or 18 or something. Um, old enough to kind of live alone with my, my cousin, Katie, who lived with us. Um, so... Uh, Yeah, she lived out there with him. And then Shorty still lived in this thing. And he would siphon the electricity off of my parents. And my mom would just bill him at the end of the month. And so uh, last weekend, we had a birthday party for Shorty. Now, my mom left that property 10 years after my dad died and old couple bought it and they couldn't maintain it. It's a, lot of, it's a lot to take care of. And they sold it to a young couple in their 40s. And so they bought it and they lived there. Well, Shorty kind of became friends with them and essentially taught them how to live out there. It, it's not like, you know, total desolation, but it's, I don't know, you gotta kind of know a few things. Anyway, so he's been very helpful to them, and so when he was turning 80, they said, hey, why don't you have your party out here at our house, which is that. Now, this house that my dad built, this land, was where all of our friends and family would show up on holidays. No invitation, no nothing. You just knew that you went to Gene and Keith's house on New Year's Day and in these things, and there, there would always be something happening out there and no one had really done that since my dad died actually it kind of like tapered off the last really big event we had out there was his uh, memorial where we put some of his ashes through an airboat propeller (laughs) which saying it out loud is a little funny Um, one time we were duck hunting and I left all my shotgun shells on the boat deck and I had started the boat, and we took off, and all of my shotgun shells rolled back through the fucking propeller. <laughs> and it, it, it sounded, sounded worse than it was. Um, anyway, so, uh, you know, uh, this friend of ours, Kara Joe, reached out, she's like, hey, are you going to Shorty's birthday? And I said yes, but I was very apprehensive. Going out there now. I'd been out to the house since this couple had lived in it. Sarah Lou, Shorty's wife, took me over there one day just to show me all the cool things they'd done to it. And it's beautiful now. They really did a good job with it. But I don't know. I just had this like, was like uh, there's a piece of me. It's like it's so that sounds so energetically and emotionally exhausting. And so I said to my girlfriend, I kept saying, "Hey, you know, we don't have to go. We don't have to do this." And she was like, No, I want to go, I want to go, I want to go. I'm like, oh God. I was kind of hoping she'd say she didn't want to go. She wanted to go, and there was a piece of me that said that I had to go. So um, we went. And it was wild. Now, what's crazy is that there was this presence leading up to it. Where I could see my mom and my dad clear as day in my mind every time I thought about going. And there was a piece of me that felt as though going out there was me introducing my girlfriend to my parents, which is very emotional, very interesting, and just wild to me. It's very wild. And, um, I didn't say that to her, right? So we go out there, and I'm introducing her to legendary figures, Fred Diamond, one of them, Skip, Scott, Shorty. It was funny, because I said, uh, I introduced her to Shorty, and she goes, I knew that was Shorty, because he didn't have shoes on. So I told her that Shorty uh, doesn't wear, Shorty didn't wear shoes to his own wedding uh none of his weddings <laughs> actually um anyway uh so we're I'm kind of showing her around and we're looking at the property it's very beautiful and uh there are pictures everywhere and a lot of more pictures of my dad by himself my mom by herself cuz my mom and dad played a big part in shorty's life he loved them so much and there's pictures of my dad and Shorty, my mom and Shorty, my mom, dad, and George, just all and all their friends and all this. And what's funny is that I told her that I went to visit Jordy's, Shorty's home in Georgia and I went into his underground moonshine still. And as I was saying, I was like, that sounds unbelievable. Lo and behold, there was a photo of that day on the wall and I got to show her. I said, look, here it is. I told you. Um, so... Um, we're walking around, looking at all these pictures, and it's just, it's really cool. And um, I really wanted to take her upstairs, but I don't want to intrude on these people's lives. you know. But we were talking to the husband, Joseph, and Christy goes, so what's the view like up there? And I'm like, oh, dude, don't bother this man with this shit. He's like, oh, just go upstairs and take a look. So we actually went upstairs. And we're walking around, it's got a wraparound porch, so we're walking around it. And we didn't go inside. I felt like that was a bit much. So um, I'm just pointing at windows. I'm like, you know, this was my room where I would stay, and then my aunt lived, and, you know, this is the staircase where all these memories happened on the stairs and everything. A lot of things happened on this property, big things. We didn't have a normal life. It was all very cool and very interesting things. It was not boring. There were shootouts out there. It's, it's wild. So there's a lot of energy. Uh, you know, if you ever want to look up the stone tape theory, it's very interesting. Stone tape, not stoned ape, stone tape. Um, anyway, so we're walking around. And we get to the back of the house, and I go, this is the window, like this room, I point at the window, Go. this is the room my dad died, this was their bedroom. And right then, Christy notices this light outside, come on, flickers, gets bright, and then goes out. And she's like, did you see that? I was like, what? She's the light. I turn around, I look at the light, it flickers, comes on and then goes off again and I know this house all the back lights are on one switch and none of the other lights were on and I was just all I could see in my mind's eye was my dad's face and there's no doubt in my mind that that was him giving me what my cousin would, would say is a little hello he gave me a little hello that day and um, that's pretty great and it was very touching it took a minute for it to sink in but I just kept like I'd, we'd talk about it and I would just feel so emotional and get so teary eyed and like I felt like I got to see my dad in some weird way like he got to say hello to me you know, I'd had dreams where we'd hugged, and I could literally feel his body. I could feel the weight. as I could feel him. I could feel his bones. I could feel all of it. Unlike the dreams of my mother, with that, like I said, were very thin and weren't, you know, it's not a like, very, they lacked the mass that, or they didn't have the mass that my dad's dreams had. I had very profound dreams with my mother, but you know, not like the ones with my dad. And I felt like that was him really getting to say hello to me. And so we leave, and it's, it was a beautiful trip. We went out there, it's like an hour out of town, and got to show her this, the, the locks and the dam and, and all that, where I go and run. And, you know, certain, you know, some of you have seen the posts where certain dates I'll make what I call a pilgrimage out there, and I run along the levee all the way to my parents' house and back. But, um,. But uh, uh, the next day, the next morning, um, we woke up early. We were doing sunrise yoga. And um, Christy was journaling. And she says, "Um, I feel like I met your parents yesterday. (laughs) And that was wild. I don't know why that's so emotional for me and so heavy in a good way. But it just is. Life is very, very beautiful. All the time. All the time. Not just sometimes, but all the time. And when you think it's not, it still is. You know, and sometimes... It pushes you where you need to be so fast that it catches you off guard It, f- I was like to say it feels like it's peeling the skin off your face but yeah, that's the truth is that you will be where you need to be exactly how you need to be there so that's it that's all I got um, again uh, if you want to support this effort, go to the theinfinitesparkofbeing.com and check out the online uh, first Wednesday gathering. First Wednesday of every month. The next one, I believe, is September 6th. Uh, follow this on Instagram. That's where I'm the most active. There is a Facebook page, but Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. And, um, yeah, that's it. Uh, reach out if you have comments, questions, whatever. I love you. Bye.